Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 429. Getting a negative COVID test before your cruise is something everyone's got to do right now, and I think the easiest way to do it is one of the at-home tests. So today, I wanted to walk you through what to expect if you want to try the at-home test that you can use for Royal Caribbean up next. I think one of the biggest struggles for a lot of folks right now is how to get their negative COVID test before their cruise, especially if you haven't done it before, because there's a lot of different options for where you can get it. Now, if you're not aware, Royal Caribbean does require, as of right now anyway, and this could change going forward, but as of right now, you need to get a negative COVID test two or three days before your cruise. If you're a vaccinated adult or really any vaccinated, anybody above the age of 12, then you need to get a COVID test up to two days before your cruise. You can get your test uh, two days before, or even on the day of your cruise, but two days before your cruise. If you have someone in your group that is unvaccinated, that's a kid under 12, they can get their test up to three days before the cruise. And that is allows for either a PCR or an antigen test. And, you know, there's a lot of choices of where you can get your test result done. It depends on where you live and some options available to you. Certainly pharmacies are a very popular option like CVS or Walgreens or Rite Aid. And the reason why these are popular is because it's very easy to schedule or it can be easy to schedule appointments ahead of time. There's also other places like urgent care locations, your own doctor's office. Uh, there can be federally staffed testing sites and where you live. It's kind of a, it depends on where you live is basically the answer to your question. But something that's really come up recently that has, I think, made it a whole lot easier are the at-home tests. So Royal Caribbean allows one particular at-home test to be allowable, permissible as a valid test result. This is the Abbott Binax Now COVID-19 AG card test. And this one is a proctored test. So there are other at-home tests you can purchase, but those are not valid for Royal Caribbean. What we're talking about here is one in which you conduct the test through a video call in which the proctor watches you do it and ensures you're doing it properly. And the at-home test came out earlier this summer, right around August or so they were approved. And since then, they've become a very popular but understandably confusing test to do because people are concerned about how easy is it, how do you do it, and most importantly, you know, can I screw it up, right? That's the last thing you want to do. So the at-home tests are provided by Abbott. You can purchase them either through directly through Royal Caribbean or a couple other places. Again, depending on when you're listening to this episode, the supply of them can vary. As an example, as of right now, emed.com, which is where I got my tests from, they actually are sold out. But Optum, which is the company that works with Royal Caribbean to provide theirs, still has some offerings available. And you can buy these tests in two or three packs. Uh, emed does sell six packs, but right now emed is not available for, with their supply. Regardless of how many you get, the actual home tests, you can share them among other people. So if you get the three pack, you can use one, your spouse can use another one, right? That's totally fine, but you will need to create different accounts for every single person. And so one test per person and you do it individually. Now I did the, I've done this at home test a couple different times now four cruises and just a, I don't know, someone's got the sniffles. Let's take an at home test just to make sure. And it is incredibly easy. I have to tell you, a lot of people are worried that it's confusing or it's gonna be difficult but it is very easy, number one. Number two, the experience is very similar now to what pharmacies are doing. So a lot of people might say, you know what? I just want to go to a pharmacy or my doctor and, and just get it done over there. That way they're taking care of it. You're still doing the exact same thing. When I go to CVS now to get tests done either for my kids or for myself, the person there, whether the nurse or the doctor, is going to sit there and make you swab your own nose and then put it in the vial and then they process the results. It's almost exactly the same thing. So today I wanted to talk about what it's like to do the at-home test. Number one, when you get the at-home test and you order it online, 
Do not open it. That's the most important thing. It needs to be sealed because the first thing the staff is going to want to know is to make sure that what you have is intact, that it has not been compromised in any way. So make sure that the individual tests are sealed, ready to go. Uh, I would recommend doing this probably in a well-lit area. Like a dining room table is fantastic, a kitchen table where there's a lot of lighting. I would also recommend a camera on your mobile device that is easy to move around. So initially I did this test on a computer like with a laptop. And that wasn't great because the problem is with a laptop with the built-in webcam is obviously as you, in order to show different things, you have to literally move the computer around or push the screen down. It's hard to do that with a phone or an iPad. It's definitely the way to go. I think it makes it far more usable because during the test, you're going to need to show the, the proctor what you're doing and also keep your face within the view. So keep that in mind as you go forward. Now, the good news is Getting an appointment is super easy. This is the best part of the at-home test. So if you have to get a test at CVS or anywhere else, right, you've got to work within the confines of the hours they're available. Pharmacies, doctor's offices, they're only available certain hours of the day, right? Usually, let's call it nine to five, but there can be only plus or minus a couple hours. But it's very difficult to get a test done at night, on weekends, perhaps, who knows? That's an issue at holidays, right? With these at-home tests, they are available 24-7. You can do it anywhere, anytime. And this is really great because you can take your at-home test with you. If you're coming into Fort Lauderdale a couple of days before your cruise, right? This is a great opportunity because you have the at-home test you can do in your hotel room. You're not married to a particular location. You don't have to necessarily worry about getting an appointment somewhere in Fort Lauderdale or trying to sneak one in right before you leave at your home before you fly out. You've got that available option and it's really easy. All you need is a Wi-Fi connection or heck, I mean, if, if you have cellular connection, that works as well. So it's really easy. And then once you're ready to do the test, it is almost instantaneous. When the test first came out I, earlier this spring or summer, there were some reports that there were major delays with getting a proctor. That has not been my experience ever since. I think they had maybe some initial launch issues. But honestly, every single time we've done this test, the delay of from when I say I want to take the test to actually getting a proctor has been maybe a minute. Usually it's like measured in seconds. It's very, very quick. And basically what you're going to do is you're going to position the test on the table in front of you. You're going to sit down and then you are going to go through the actual test. The proctor will lead you through every single step. It's actually, the good news is not only is the proctor telling you what to do on your screen, you will see instructions. And basically if you've done any at home tests, they're almost identically the same. You're going to eventually, when the proctor tells you, open your test up. You are going to prepare the the vial or the area for the sample, which is basically in, involves putting some drops in there. You're going to take a nose swab. You're going to swab each nostril a couple times. You're going to put it in the sample area, twist it around a couple times, and then wait 15 minutes after 15. And by the way, during, when you're waiting 15 minutes, no, you're not sitting there while the proctor is kind of making small talk with you like you're at a car dealership. Not at all. They just like, all right, we'll call back. We'll, well, we're going to put you on hold. We'll come back in 15 minutes. So you can feel free to get up, get a snack, go do something else. Just come back in 15 minutes. And then after 15 minutes, you and the proctor will look at the results of the, of the COVID-19 test. It's kind of like a pregnancy test in the sense that if there's one bar, you're negative. If there's two bars, you're positive. And anything else in between might be a, a you know, an invalid test. may have to do again. But the good news is the proctor will figure it out for you. And once the test is done, immediately you'll get an email as well as a update in your Navica app. Navica is the company that provides the app for this, where it has all the 
the results for you, and then you can share your results either via your mobile device when you get to the cruise terminal or print it out. I do recommend printing out your results in general. It's just easier to quickly flip between pages of paper with the results rather than like, hang on, I got to go out of this app, and then this person's got this phone, unlock the phone. Printouts are just simpler right now, so that's what I would recommend. But truly, the the, the test result is easier than I would have ever imagined. When I first did it, I was a little leery. I was like, you know, I'm not really great with directions. Ikea stumbles me a lot of times. I'm not, I, this is not my forte, but this was super easy to do. And I got to tell you that I really thought that uh, it went way better than I thought. And going forward, it is just so easy to do them. So if you've got a cruise coming up, my recommendation, my advice is for you to get the at-home test. They're just the simplest way because I get so many questions at Real Kermit Blog about, you know, I'm cruising on this day. It's a holiday. I live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the place I can get my test done tells me that uh, if I'm for travel, it doesn't count. My insurance doesn't cover it. Blah, 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 blah. The at-home tests get around all those problems. Some people have been able, speaking of insurance, to get reimbursed by their insurance company for the cost of them. You could use up as a year. If you have a health savings account, like HSA account, you could use that. So you don't necessarily need to eat the cost of it, although, quite frankly, I think we just bought them and that was the end of that. So what's nice about it is that the process is very easy, very simple, and I think it's the most convenient option that's out there, especially for folks who are struggling with where to go. If you live in a major metro area and you have access to a lot of places to go, then sure. I mean, if you want to go to CVS or something like that, that's totally fine as well. I certainly understand that, but I feel like the nice thing about doing the at-home test is not only is it convenient, it also prevents you from going to a potential exposure area, right? If you're going to a, a doctor's office or a pharmacy where you're getting your test on for travel, but keep in mind, other people are going to be there who may already be infected with COVID-19. They're there because they feel sick, right? I mean, yeah, you're in and out pretty quickly if you make an appointment, blah, blah, blah. But you know what I mean? It's just you're avoiding potential exposure by doing the at-home does, which is a nice little benefit of doing so. So, Keep this in mind. Also, one other thing to keep in mind about the at-home test is worth mentioning is the expiration dates of these tests. So the tests were mostly made earlier this year or last year. I forget exactly when. And there's a lot of rigmarole about when they're available and when they're going to be good for. In fact, a lot of the tests have these expiration dates on them that have been actually extended. The box says one date, but if you look it up, it's been extended to like early spring. So my advice when you're looking to get the test is buy your test closer to your sale date. I would say Within about 30 to 60 days, the safe bet right now. From what we understand, Abbott is making new test kits that will be available for, and then it'll be good for like a year. In that case, I wouldn't worry much about it. But I would not buy your test until, again, you're within about that 30 to 60 day time frame. So that way, the test you're getting will be good for, obviously, the cruise you're about to go on. And that would be my recommendation. Where to buy it from, it really doesn't matter if you buy it through Royal Caribbean or through Optum or Emed. Again, subject to supply. The price is all the same. It really does not matter at all. It's the exact same test. I don't feel like you're buying through Royal Caribbean. It's the official test versus an unofficial test. No, it's the exact same thing. So hopefully that helps because, you know, a lot of folks are struggling with this. And I felt that it was time to talk about these at-home tests because the Abbott Binax Now COVID-19 AG card home test is just the simplest way. And again, make sure you get the right one. It's the AG card home test. It's got to be proctored. So be very careful. There is another one that Abbott sells that is not proctored. And that's the one you could probably pick up like at Walgreens. These tests are only available online right now. So that's why you're seeing that kind of discrepancy. So hopefully this helps. And hopefully as you get closer to your next cruise, it's going to be just one big step easier to getting on board.
It's email time. That's the part of the podcast where I answer the emails you've sent in about your Royal Caribbean cruises. And of course, you can always send me your emails by emailing to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Joe Fauci, who writes, Hi, Matt. We're traveling on Harmony of the Seas for the December 26, 2021 sailing. I was wondering if the transfers back to Orlando Airport through Royal Caribbean include checking your luggage all the way through your destination, or is it simply a motor coach to the airport and you still have to schlep your luggage to the ticket counter for checking at home? Thank you. Love your podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you, Joe, for the email. So for the service you're talking about, the transfer itself is just a bus ride. The transfer you're talking about is a luggage service that was offered pre-COVID in a couple different ports, but I don't believe Port Canaveral is one of them. There was an option. I, believe, I know Seattle was one, and I want to say my Port Miami and Everglades might have been one as well, where they have like a luggage forwarding service in which you leave your luggage out the night before the last night of your cruise, and then you don't see your luggage again until you get on board, until you land and pick up your, your luggage uh, at, the, at the carousel because they do all that for you. But Port Canaveral, I don't think is the option there. I could be wrong on that, Joe, but check with the guest services team on board and they'll be able to verify that for you. But the 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 transfers get you from point A to point B. That's really the most important thing right there. Next email is from John Reed, who writes, Hi, Matt, just listen to your most recent podcast episode. Paradise Beach and Cozumel does offer an all-inclusive package that's similar to the price of Mr. Sanchez and Nachi. Did it for the first time in August or on adventure this season. It was a good value. Love the podcast. It's provided good information over the past couple of years. P.S., Enjoyed having Emma on the podcast, of and which you had more content of other cruise lines. My wife and I remain loyal to Royal, but love hearing about other lines as we do venture out sometimes. Thank you, John, for the email. And I do agree with Emma. Emma's fantastic, and it is nice to be able to kind of have that outside perspective about you know, not only Royal Caribbean, but also other lines as well. So I agree with you 100%. And uh, John, you're right about the fact that Paradise Beach does offer an all-inclusive option. I have not tried it yet. I probably should have been in the name of research. I should try it out. But I really like Paradise Beach in Cozumel because it is a pay-as-you-go option. I like that flexibility. I think that's the appeal of it because, you know, the issue with Paradise Beach, if you're doing the all-inclusive, is that Paradise Beach has no cap to it, no limit to it, which is something that Nachi has. I believe Mr. Sanchez claims it has a cap, but it's significantly higher than what Nachi has. Regardless, I think the... In my opinion, the appeal of Paradise Beach is you want to go there because you're not going to drink. You're not you're not a big drinker. You're not going to spend all day there or a combination of all that, right? It's good if because if you're paying 50 bucks a head, you've got to, or you should be thinking about how am I going to break even on that cost, right? Whereas when you're doing a non-all-inclusive at Paradise Beach, you get in there, it's like three bucks to get in. And then, you know, you buy two beers and a lunch and you're probably still well under that $50 threshold. So you're and, and you're not feeling, I don't want to say pressured, but you don't feel compelled to like, I got to eat and drink for the sake of eating and drinking. So, but it is a very valid point that there is an all-inclusive option at Paradise Beach, which may not be terrible. I think the reason, also part of the reason I haven't done it in the past, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that if somebody buys it, everyone else in the group has to. So as an example, like I can't buy the all-inclusive and then my wife like can go without it or something like that, which I can tell you right now, but she'd be the first to admit it. That'd be a waste of money. So next up is an email from Bill Merle of Arlington, Texas. Hi, Matt. Love your podcast. We live in Texas and my wife can't fly due to medical issues. It takes two days to drive. So how can we handle the requirement to have two or three days before our cruise in order to get our test? Bill, boy, I didn't time it this way, but this episode is for you. Get the at-home test, Bill. That's the way to do it. That way you can do it from the hotel room along the way. That'd be my recommendation. It's just the simplest approach. Of course, Bill, you could maybe try to schedule a appointment at a pharmacy as well. 
you know, CVS allows you to book pharmacy appointments for COVID-19 tests up to 13 days in advance. And if you timed it right, you could pick one out close to the cruise port and that might work for you. But at Walgreens, does it 48 hours. In both cases, the new results become, or the new appointments rather, come online at midnight. So if you want to stay up and get one, you should have no problem doing that. Uh, but the at-home test is just simple because that way you can do it in the hotel room. You don't have to leave. You aren't going out of your way. I, I really like it for those kinds of scenarios there. So hopefully, Bill, this particular episode really helped you out there. Next up, we have an email from uh, Chris who writes, hi, Matt, it's Chris from Canada. I have an upcoming cruise. I'm wondering if kids under 12 that are not vaccinated are allowed in the closed port areas in places like Cozumel and Costa Maya without being part of a Royal Caribbean excursion. Are these areas considered an extension of the ship like Perfect Day of Pete? Thanks for all your hard work over the past 18 months. Also, I think a show of you interviewing your parents about the evolution of cruising would be a hit. <laughs> so the answer to your question is no, unvaccinated kids cannot get off the ship unless you're doing an excursion, period. The I know what you're talking about. So in both Cozumel and Costa Maya, along with a couple other ports as well, there are these port areas, right, that are kind of enclosed from the outside. But no, that doesn't count. You that you cannot kids cannot get off the ship unless you're on a roller coaster excursion as of right now, unvaccinated kids, I should say. Uh, could that change? Absolutely, Chris. But as of right now, you can't. And a show of me interviewing my parents, the evolution of cruising. My parents, and I love them, they're not big cruise. I mean, they, they like cruising. They're not huge cruise fans, and they haven't cruised that much. They cruised, so they cruised before they had kids. I believe they, I don't remember, is, I don't remember, it's got to be in the 70s. They went on a cruise, and my dad was, was, very happy because he got to uh, shoot Skeet off the back of the ship with a shotgun. That's his... I forget what ship it was. I'd be really curious what vessel it was. I don't know that they remember. We definitely... Anyway, they went on one cruise then, and then they never went on another cruise until we started cruising as a family in the 90s on Disney. So, the evolution of cruising was my dad's, like, three memories of going on a cruise ship. Granted, it would be kind of interesting to hear about that. And then a giant gap until when I started cruising with them. Uh, in the 90s they have they were not big cruise fans for you know it's kind of interesting my parents love to travel i think that's what they instilled in me more than anything uh, but they are not big cruise fans they uh they they just kind of you know they enjoyed it and they still enjoy it but they didn't quite they didn't quite go to the lengths that i was about it certainly i didn't get my passion for cruising from them per se but we kind of as a family discovered it, and then i just took it to the nth degree so so it's a nice idea, Chris. I'm not discounting. I always appreciate the interview it is. You never know what you may find with that, but yeah. Next email is from Maureen, who's got five questions about dining. I love this. So Maureen says, hi, Matt. We've uh, cruised before, but January will be our first Royal Caribbean cruise, and we're excited. Because I'm food obsessed, I'm hoping you can answer some dining-related questions. All right, number one. We're going to go question by question here. We're interested in getting the three-night dining package and would ideally go to Chops, Jamie's Italian, and Wonderland. My husband's birthday is the first night, so we may try to go to Sabor. He loves Mexican food, and the cost is cheaper, so we figure going there outside of our three meal credits for the package makes the most sense to get the best deal. So here's my question. Since Royal Caribbean makes our courtesy reservation, but we want to go to Sabor night one, how does that work? So, great question. When you get a dining package, you're right. When you get when you go to buy a dining package, it will ask you, hey, what time do you want your reservation? And usually may even pick the day for you. Don't worry. That is completely meaningless. Maureen, it's a placeholder. So what you're going to do when you get on board the ship is you are going to go book nights. You can book nights two and three and rearrange your first one that you had booked there. No problem at all. You just let the staff know at any specialty restaurant. Hey, 
you know, they booked me this automatic reservation. Can I move that one to something else? Say no problem at all. So yeah, that first night reservation is totally fine. And I love your idea, by the way, of going to pay cash, if you will, for Sabor, because you're right. The value of it is not as high as chops or other specialty restaurants because it costs far less. So that's a great idea. Next up, uh, Maureen's next question is when we book a dining, especially dining package, do we get, do we give preferences for restaurants or they just randomly choose? Uh, I mean, for the first night reservation, I think it's randomly choose, but it's, it's irrelevant. When you book a specialty dining package, you, when you get on board the ship, you should do it on day one. We get on board, go eat lunch first, and then go to these restaurants and make reservations. And there you go. Number three is Maureen questions. Uh, are portions, especially restaurants, smaller? Are we able to order as many appetizers, entrees, desserts as we want? Is it noted on the menu if there's additional charge? Great question. Yes, it is noted on the menu if there's an additional charge. In most restaurants, you can order as many appetizers, entrees, or desserts as you like. The only restaurant I'm aware of that has a has a cap on that is Chops, which allows you only one entree. Trust me when I say, Maureen, you will not leave that restaurant hungry. And I would say that the portion sizes at all the restaurants are pretty much the same as you find in the main dining room. I think, you know, I was going to say they were, generally speaking, cruise ship portion sizes are smaller than you'd find at a traditional land-based restaurant. But as I say that, a lot of the specialty restaurant portions especially are quite large, actually, especially for the entrees. So you're not leaving hungry. Uh, Maureen's fourth question is, can you give a breakdown of how a specialty dining package works in terms of pay ahead of time with a package? Then is the meal free outside of Azumi and Chops? They give you credit towards meal alcohol or is it with a fixed menu? Good question. So when you buy a dining package and you go to a restaurant, you don't owe a thing. Basically, your dining package covers the meal cost and gratuity. In fact, it will say on the bottom of your receipt afterwards, when your meal is done, you know, you're going to get a $0 bill and it will say, you know, your cover charge covered all this other stuff. You certainly can't if you'd like to on, on top of that, but the dining package does say includes gratuity. So you should feel confident that you're not stiffing somebody by any means. And then the meal is included. Whatever is included there. If you have a stipend, then you have up to the stipend amount. And if it's a cover charge, then it's a cover charge. You know, certain things like when you go to chops, there can sometimes be additional options like the seafood tower at chops cost extra. Uh, obviously alcohol is outside of the dining package, but you know, if there's anything that costs extra, it will note that it costs extra. It's not going to be a surprise. Hey, you ordered this thing? Yeah, that was $200. No, it's not like that at all. It'll have a price on there. But most of the items, most of the food items at specialty restaurants are included. I'm really trying to think of other than Chops, which has the Seafood Tower. They used to have dry-aged steaks. They really don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, I, I'm really struggling to think. I'm sure there's one that I can't think of, but they're few and far between. And uh, Maureen's last question is, lastly, with the recent changes to the key and offering 25% dining, do you know if that includes alcohol, Starbucks, or just specialty dining, anything else, food and drink offered by Royal Caribbean and not a third party? So the the what Maureen is talking about was with the key, one of the altered benefits is you get 25% off specialty dining. And Maureen, that only includes your covered charge. That does not include alcohol, Starbucks, or anything like that. It is purely for the, to offset the cost of the specialty dining, uh, restaurant cover charge. So if you were going to Chop's Grill and the cover charge is 50 bucks, then you get 25% off that 50 bucks. That's it. So nothing else, if that makes sense. So Maureen, thank you for the uh, for the emails. Really good questions right there. I do appreciate it. We always have one more email, and that email is coming to us from our good friend, Mr. Tyler Diedrich, who writes, uh, Tyler's got a great email here. This is from Odyssey of the Sea. So Tyler says, I thought I'd let you know about our experience of taking kids on a cruise with the current protocols, and hopefully it will help you with your next experience with kids and Royal Caribbean Block. 
I won't go into much detail about the actual ship. I know you just got off a few weeks ago. So here we go. Pre-cruise testing. We didn't have too much of an issue here with testing prior to the cruise. We did have issues finding a rapid test for the kids. So we had to go with the normal PCR test, which took about 50 hours to get back and created some undue stress. If you have two, if you have kids two and under, make sure to get this done as soon as you can in order to have time before your cruise. Waiting on the test results was the most stressful part of the sailing. Terminal check-in. For embarkation day, we were able to grab the first time on the app available for check-in. We took an Uber to the port that morning and had no issues. We found it very quiet around the port area, only taking a few minutes to arrive at the terminal. We actually arrived about 20 minutes early, but the porters were already waiting outside. We had no issue starting the check-in process a bit early. We got to the building first in line and showed all the COVID information that was required, went through security, and then to the COVID testing area for the kids. Again, no lines, and we were able to get right in. Once checked in, it took about 30 minutes to get the results back. While we were verifying the results, Hannah's name was misspelled in the check-in system, so we had to stand around for another 15 to 20 minutes while they rechecked us in with the correct spelling. Not a huge issue, but added more time to the process. In all, we were about an hour from curb to ship. All right, next up is childcare. We took both kids to Adventure Ocean this trip. William was in Adventure Ocean Juniors, and we had Hannah in the nursery since she was under three. Upon check-in, they didn't limit us to 15 hours on the first day due to low capacity in Adventure Ocean, but we were able to get more time on day two since there were only 125 kids total on board. This was true for both Adventure Ocean Juniors and the nursery. This could only be the only hiccup if you wanted more time in the days. We just did everything in the evening so we could have a bit alone time at night, which by the way, I'm just gonna interject here, is exactly what I do. I never pre-reserve daytime sessions. The evening sessions are where you're gonna find competition among other kids, or parents, if you will. Uh, the daytime sessions are usually very unbusy, so I wouldn't recommend wasting your limited sessions on that. All right, back to Tyler's email. We ended up sending William during the day several times as he just wanted to go back and hang out with some friends. Interesting note, in the nursery, they did give the kids snacks and milk and allow them to sleep with their masks off. Also, we left both kids in adventures until about midnight every night and were very surprised by the staff's reactions. You want to leave your kids here that late? They were both always the last kids there when we picked them up. I'll stop it here again. My kids, same thing. Whenever I pick my kids up, Tyler, on cruises this year, they've always been the last ones there. A lot of parents always pick their kids up either right at 10 o'clock to avoid getting charged extra or maybe at 11 or so. But even pre-COVID when cruises would, you know, would allow Adventure Ocean to stay open until 2 a.m. for the extra late night hour stuff, my kids were almost always the last ones there. It's just... But, but I love it. I think it's great. They love it, too. They're having fun. All right, back to Tyler's email. Next up is food. With the Wind Jumeir closed for dinner, we found this the most challenging part of the cruise for us. We generally relied on Sorrento's, a local fresh, and saving food from breakfast and lunch to get the kids fed at night. On day five, we finally decided to do room service on the last day, and we quickly realized we should have done that from day one. With the options and no limit to what you can order, that makes the $9.50 per order easily worth it. Well, now let's talk about uh, vaxxed, unvaxxed areas and restrictions. This one threw us for a bit of a loop more than I was planning, but ended up being okay overall. As I'm sure you know, there are certain venues you cannot bring your kids to. Since we're traveling with kids, we were almost considered we were almost considered tainted. We were not allowed to eat in my time dining or vaccinated dining room since the kids were on the reservation. Instead, we had to go to the late seating mixed vaccination time. This forced our friends change their plans as well. In the end, it worked out fine, but did cause some headaches in the start of the cruise. Also, since we were considered tainted due to the kids being with us, it prevented us from being able to eat at Hibachi since that, that is a vaccinated only restaurant. I think they were wrong on this one and I should have pushed back more, but didn't really feel like messing with it. After tweeting Royal Caribbean on the issue, I am certain I could have gotten this approved, but we decided to go to Wonderland since we didn't have to try that before. We also found that there was a lot of vaccinated only event times and that really limited our options to what we could do, what we wanted to do, such as North Star, 
iFly, main production shows, etc. Once again, this wasn't a huge issue since the kids are small, but it did make a bit more challenging to schedule everything that we wanted for the week. Overall, it was still a good cruise, and by the end of it, we had it all figured out, but it was kind of annoying at times. For now, with the current protocols, we won't be going on another cruise with the kids as it just causes more stress and work that we find worth it. So to solve that problem, we booked an adults-only trip to Europe with our friends on Wonder of the Seas. Tyler, great email. I agree with you 100%, and we, Tyler and I talked about this during the cruise, that the staff was wrong that without the kids, the vaccinated parents, Tyler and his wife, should have been able to get into Izumi, Hibachi. That's 100% incorrect. And I, unfortunately, this happens sometimes where, listen, there's a lot of protocols. It's equally confusing for the crew members as it is for the guests. So I don't blame anybody for doing that. But, you know, I, I kind of said, listen, you know, I, you, you can press the issue, talk to someone higher up. I'm sure someone will be like, oh, yeah, no, this is OK because the kids aren't there. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I went with my kids on a three night cruise and we're going to be taking them on two seven night cruises coming up here in the end of November and the end of December. So. I will get more of a holistic experience like Tyler did because a three night cruise by my own admission with my kids that we went on Mariner of the Seas is not nearly the same as a seven night cruise. And we didn't encounter some of the scenarios that I think Tyler ran into uh, that are just inherent with a seven night cruise. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, for me, my kids are not interested in doing many events on board, like organized events, like, you know, whether it be bingo or trivia, it's not their thing. Like they're, my kids like to do, uh, they're either in Adventure Ocean they love hanging out in the room or just playing, watching TV, whatever they do in there. Uh, and then they also like doing perhaps like going up to the pool deck and doing like water slides and things of that nature, which they have, you know, they can do that quite a bit. But, you know, on a typical sea day, my kids will will get up in the morning. We'll have breakfast. First of all, they'll sleep in. It's the only time they ever, they ever sleep in is on a cruise ship, probably because they were at Adventure until midnight the night before. But I digress. So they'll sleep in. They'll have breakfast. We may do something, may go out to the pool. Not really. Who knows? Have lunch. I get probably back to the room. They like to kind of hang out there. And and then it's really either they're hanging out in the room or they're at the pool. Maybe there's an activity that kind of stands out there that they'd like to do. But there and then in the evening, it's just, you know, shower time, uh, go to dinner, adventure ocean, and that's it. And so my kids are easy going in that regard. And, you know, obviously every kids are a little different and what they want to do. And also their parents priorities there. I, I certainly understand it. And also Tyler's kids are younger than my kids. So it is a different dynamic as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on the seven night cruise. Here's what I would say about a couple things that jumped out about Tyler's email. Number one, he mentioned he couldn't get a rapid test. I'm, I'm surprised. I forget where I know where Tyler lives. I'm, I'm again, different area than where I live. Luckily for us, there's a lot of antigen tests available at CVS. So that worked out for us. But I agree, the PCR test, if you're going to get a PCR test for anybody, make sure you do it as early as you can in that window of time because it can take quite a bit of time. In fact, Tyler said it was 50 hours. So that's a little over two days to get the results back. So don't assume anything. Get it as early as you can. But if at all possible, get the rapid antigen test because it's just it just comes back so much sooner for that. Um, in terms of Adventure Ocean, you know, I'm glad to hear that he had a good time there. And I would echo what he said about getting the evening reservations, not the afternoon reservations. And then on top of that, you know, the restrictions in terms of the venues there. And I didn't have any issue. I didn't feel it. I didn't come to the same conclusion Tyler did. But again, we'll see what happens after the seven night cruise. It's there. There are. I mean, for me, as an example, like my kids, we, we never did my time dining. We were always traditional dining. So that didn't bother us. So that's like one hurdle that doesn't affect us. Right. Uh, on top of that, you know, the shows like iFly or the main production shows, my kids don't really care. We've 
We've taken them to the ice skating show a couple times, but their attention span is still not there. My youngest will definitely fall asleep as a defense mechanism to being bored. And my oldest, like, I can't really tell if she truly enjoys it or is like trying to force herself to enjoy it. She doesn't complain as much as the younger one, but you know, it's not really their forte perhaps. So they're not quite at that age yet. Now, of course, all this, who knows what'll happen. I'm not even adventuring into the whole, you know, the, of course, as many of you know, as of the recording of this podcast, the FDA did approve uh, the vaccines for kids. So who knows how much of this will factor into this as we move forward. But uh, that's a different discussion for a different day. The bottom line is uh, I appreciate the feedback from Tyler because this is a really good insight into what it's like to bring kids on a cruise ship right now. Something a lot of families are trying to figure out. And I think there's some really good information here overall. So thank you, Tyler, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can send me an email to be read right here on the air by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.